Hey, everybody. I want to talk to you for a second here about Canva, specifically Canva presentations that are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation. So start designing today at Canva.com. Design for work. Just go to Canva, C-A-N-V-A dot com. Hey, and welcome to The Short Stuff. I'm Josh, and there's Chuck, and Jerry's here, too. Dave's here in spirit. This is Short Stizzoff. That's right. Uh, right out of the gate, we should thank uh, our old colleagues at HowStuffWorks.com mm-hmm. and Joanna Thompson, who wrote the uh, article that this one is based on. And uh, I thought she did a great job. This is really kind of a great little packed-in shorty. It really is. And I think uh, it, the, the gist of it is it's a tribute to um, – not an unsung hero, but maybe one of the great heroes of the 20th century that you may not have heard of, a woman named Frances Oldham. Yeah, Kelsey. she was kind of sung. Yeah, she was. Definitely, in her lifetime, which is great. Um, I think that there was a, an award created by the FDA and named in her honor, and they bestowed it upon her, the first one, in 2010. So she's definitely gotten recognition, but I don't know that the average American walking around knows her name. Yeah, she's partially sung. She's yes. like a Lou Reed song. She's semi-sung. <laughs> semi-sung? Partially sung like a Lou Reed song. Yeah, you know, he didn't really sing. Oh, gotcha. No, he talked a lot. And he sort of talked things. Proto-rapped a little bit, too. Mm, I don't know about that. Okay. All right. Uh, so th- let's talk about this uh, this great l- woman in our uh, American history. That was a very stumbly way to say that, but that's what she was. Mm -hmm. Um, She worked for the FDA, uh, the FDA back in those days. And this was, um, what, the 1950s 50s that she was working there? 60s, sorry. Into the 60s. I think she started in... 1960. Okay. Like I said, solidly (laughs) 60s. Uh, But the FDA back then had a very uh, different process for getting drugs on the market. It was not as rigorous. Uh, I think they had about 60 days to look over data um, on, you know, testing done usually on mice. And the, their supervisor was going, come on, hurry up, hurry yeah. up, like on, over their shoulder the whole time. Basically, and that's kind of how it went till Frances Kelsey came along. Mm-hmm. Um, that was her uh, name by marriage. She was born Frances Oldham on Vancouver Island mm-hmm. and was very well-schooled, got a master's uh, in Montreal, got a, uh, a PhD and an MD. Mm-hmm. Uh, her PhD was in pharmacology, no surprise, from the University of Chicago. And she would go on to work there uh, where she met her husband, uh, Dr. Fremont Kelsey. And she became then uh, Francis Oldham Kelsey. And, uh, you know, it seemed like they were birds of a feather. They were both really into science, Yeah, had a couple of daughters, and then moved to D.C. And she got a job at the FDA. Yeah, that's a pretty great setup. Should we take a break now? Oh, let's, why not? Let's take an early break. Okay. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. 
I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! Hey friends, did you know that it's estimated that 85% of all customer service interactions are automated? Yeah, it's true. And customers are the lifeblood of all business. So you probably don't want to put that responsibility in the hands of a robot. And that's why thousands of business owners call Ruby and hire them. That's right. Ruby is the virtual receptionist company who screens, transfers, and takes messages 24-7 all while making your customers feel special. Yep, you definitely don't want to hire a subpar front desk person. And with Ruby, they engage with your callers in a conversational way, just like your best employee would. That's right. Finding someone who cares about your business as much as you do feels impossible at times. But the team at Ruby are experts in providing the best customer experience and turn every ring into a relationship. Yep, this year can be your best year yet. Small, efficient changes can make a huge impact on your bottom line. That's right, and Ruby answers all of your calls live from right here in the U.S. They'll take messages, answer questions, route calls, and much more. Visit ruby.com, or better yet, give them a call at 844-900-R-U-B-Y. So, Chuck, you set us up perfectly. Dr. Kelsey is um, at the FDA, brand new position, after about seven months, um, and her position was to uh, basically check scientific data to, to approve or disapprove new drugs by, for the FDA, right? Yeah. About seven months after she starts, and she was just a handful of, of um, medical people who were actually doing that. Yeah. And had 60 days to do it. But about seven months after... Um, she started uh, a drug approval application for a drug called thalidomide (laughs) (laughs) crossed her desk. And she said, oh, what's this? She did. Uh, It came in from the the American version was from the Richardson Merrill Company. Mm -hmm. And they were really eager to get it going because this drug had been uh, kind of the hot ticket in uh, Africa and in Europe. Um, and I think a couple of other places around the world. It was huge in Germany. Very big in, in West Germany. Uh, they did not approve it in East Germany. So they, um, it, was a, it was a sedative. It was an anti-anxiety drug, basically. Mm-hmm. It was developed in the 50s. Uh, it was a post-war drug, and they were like, in every way, because they were like, people really need to settle down, and they need sedatives. People need to sleep. So this thing, uh, thalidomide, does a does a great job at that. Mm-hmm. And so people started taking it, and they were like, hey, not only does it help me sleep, but uh, it helps my tum-tum feel better. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, pregnant women were like, this is really working well for my morning sickness. Yeah, and this had been going on. I think it came out in 1952. This is 1960 when Dr. Kelsey um, gets the application. So, I mean, it had been kind of proven effective and safe essentially, um, throughout the rest of the world. So there was an expectation, I'm sure, by the drug company that this would, you know, just sail through 
rather easily the application and um, review process. But Dr. Kelsey um, was a bit of a stickler, fortunately. And she said, well, let me really take a look at the science. And she found that there were reports of neuropathy where people like lose sensation in their extremities. Um, mm-hmm. their, their nerve um, endings are basically damaged. And it's true, when you stop taking thalidomide, the sensation came back to your, your extremities. But that's kind of weird, and she didn't really understand that. She also found that um, that pregnant women taking it off-label for morning sickness, there was basically no studies on that. So as far as Dr. Kelsey was concerned, there was not enough scientific data coming across her desk for her to approve this, and she wanted more. Yeah, and a couple of remarkable details here. Uh, the company, Richardson Merrill, they came back to her six times trying to get this thing through. Mm-hmm. And we're putting the heat on her in a big way. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing is, you said they didn't do any tests on pregnancy. This is because at the time, doctors still didn't think that drugs that pregnant women took could pass the placental barrier. Oh, okay. That so she was sense. sort of ahead of the curve in a lot of ways mm-hmm. by thinking like, well, maybe something is happening here, even though doctors say that's impossible. Maybe we should look at it closer. Which And she held her ground through those six times. Yeah. Uh, it turns out the West Germans who developed this drug only test, uh, or at the time, I guess, only tested drugs for toxicity mm. uh, and not, you know, stuff like neuropathy and other, like, side effects. So, so you give it to somebody and be like, did it kill you? Yeah. No? Great. It wasn't toxic, so they let it ride. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the the history of thalidomide, I mean, Billy Joel included it in Mm-hmm. We didn't start the fire for a reason. That was a big deal. Yeah, it was huge. A very big deal. Um, so Dr. Kelsey's holding her ground. She's she just wants more scientific data, and the company's not giving her what she wants. And meanwhile, there's two doctors, one in Australia named Dr. William McBride, one in Germany, Dr. Um, Vidukund Lentz. Did I say nice that right? Job. Thanks. Yeah. Um, and they both started to notice that there was a cluster of um, children being born with um, birth deformities and that they were very specific but very rare birth deformities, uh, in particular um, feet and hands um, protruding directly from shoulders and hips. That's a very specific kind of birth deformity that you can have, but it's exceedingly rare. So a a bunch of kids suddenly being born with that birth defect is... um, it, it caught their attention, and they started to do some investigating, and they figured out that the one commonality that all of those mothers had was that they had taken thalidomide early in their yeah. pregnancy for morning sickness, and they published a paper as fast as they could in The Lancet saying, stop prescribing thalidomide. Yeah. I mean, not only prescribing. In West Germany, it was over the counter. Yeah. So you could just grab this stuff and take it. Um, in the end, about 10,000 kids were affected. Uh, the aforementioned uh, Billy Joel's uh, children of thalidomide mm-hmm. is what they were known as. Mm-hmm. Um, about 40% of those died at birth because um, it was not only like these deformities of the limbs really is what grabbed their attention, sure. but um, heart troubles and stuff like that was also a big problem. Right. Uh, and, you know, 40% of them died sort of around birth or at birth. Uh, most of these kids were in West Germany. Um like I said, because they developed the drug, and so I just think it was more heavily used there. And over-the-counter, like you said. Too. Yeah, and over-the-counter. Yeah. Uh, and Kelsey said, no, 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 we're not going to do it uh, before anyone else did. And she is the reason that it was never uh, released in the United States, yeah. um, although a handful of kids in the United States were born 
uh, uh, maybe I didn't see an explanation of how that happened. I think there was like less than 20. Um, but I guess they got their hands on some thalidomide somehow. Yeah, their parents could have been traveling in Europe, sure. especially if you take thalidomide early in pregnancy. Yeah, that makes but, sense. So they knew that thalidomide led to a whole just grab bag of different birth defects, um, like you were saying. But it wasn't until about 60 years after um, it got pulled from shelves that they finally figured out why. And what they realized is that with most drugs, it goes and binds to a specific receptor site, and maybe it prevents the reuptake of, say, serotonin. So you have more serotonin flowing through your system, and that helps balance that neurochemical. Well, thalidomide binds to all sorts of different stuff, specifically lots of different proteins. And those proteins do things like turn genes on and off. And because it's so non-preferential with what proteins it binds to, it can bind to all sorts of different proteins that are responsible for all sorts of different genes. And when those genes aren't turned on or aren't turned off, you can develop a, a foot on your shoulder, that kind of thing. And that, that's why thalidomide caused all those birth defects. That's right. Uh, and in the end, like you mentioned, uh, Kelsey was uh, somewhat sung in her lifetime. There was a big... Uh, and this article points out from How Stuff Works that she probably would have been unsung had it not been for this uh, great uh, article in the Washington Post uh, that was published back then in 1962 about her. Mm -hmm. And that caused President John F. Kennedy to stand up and say, here is the president's award for distinguished federal civilian service for doing that thing you did. That was a that was more Teddy Kennedy, I think. <laughs> Teddy Kennedy. Mm -hmm. uh, but more importantly, um, the uh, Cathalver-Harris Amendment mm -hmm. went into law, which was the legislation that really tightened up how the FDA approves things. And yeah. not only tightened up, but lengthened uh, and made the process more rigorous. Yeah, and she stayed on for 45 more years and helped yeah. kind of shape the approval process for drugs at the FDA. I hope she got a better office. I hope she did, too, a corner one, too. And there's a plenty of stuff you can say about the approval process at the FDA, especially these days, but it's better than 60-day window. That's true. Uh, Chuck said that's true, everybody, and that triggers short stuff being out. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.